1: Hi guys, I'm Dean And I'm Daniel And we're from the Movie Journey Podcast Where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250 list Giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way We're also home of the Pod V Pod Where we battle other podcasters in various movie games and drafts We also do reviews of new releases, film tournaments, top 5 lists And talk about everything else we've watched as well We used to be the IMDb Journey Podcast But since then, we've grown and matured with age Yeah, if you don't believe us, why don't you listen to some more genuine testimonies? Oh hey guys! I uh, I used to like the IMDB Journey Podcast, but since then I've found something even better! It's the Movie Journey Podcast! Oi oh, hey, bro, I know I said the IMDB Journey Podcast was a good show, but the Movie Journey Podcast is so much better, absolutely for sure, yeah. You know, I used to think that nothing could be funnier than IMDB Journey, but I've now found my joy in Movie Journey
3: Podcast.
1: The IMDb Journey Podcast is nothing compared to the Movie Journey Podcast. Absolutely love this podcast. (laughs) Amazing (laughs) testimonies once again. Absolutely legit and real. Of course. And if you still don't believe those testimonies, go ahead and check out the show for yourself by searching for the Movie Journey Podcast. You can find us on all your favourite platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and Podbean. So come along and join our journey
0: this podcast involves topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness. If this might disturb you
2: or those around you, please reconsider. It's okay. Privacy and confidentiality have been protected with personal information removed when possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please call your local crisis center, emergency services, or national hotline. In the U.S., the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. You matter.
3: Hey, this is not Kate, this is Paul. I am filling in while Kate heals up because she cannot talk right now. Right off the top, uh, this podcast deals with stillbirth and pregnancy. Kate and her friend Heather say a few times in this episode, if you are pregnant, why on earth are you listening to this? And they are not kidding, so just a little heads up. When Kate asked me to be the audio bookends for an episode, she had a number of topics, And I was having a hard time choosing, and I said, well, you know me. Just pick one that you think I would be good for. And she chose this one. And I said, what do I know about this subject at all? And she said, exactly. Uh, About me, I am the father of a son and a daughter. My, My wife and I have been through the pregnancy thing twice. Both of them are adults now. Both of them were born healthy. They've never given us any real trouble even when they were teenagers, and they've grown to be kind, generous people who aren't assholes. Things aren't perfect because things are never perfect, and perfect is only for serial killers, but they're pretty close. So, what happens when a woman goes from being pregnant, goes through the physical inconveniences and discomforts of being pregnant, the whole preparing to have a family thing, and then that child dies? before it even has a chance to grow to be a kind, generous, not-an-asshole person. I think most of us can describe in very very broad, vague terms what happens physically to a woman when the process of miscarrying or delivering a stillborn child works, but that process ends, and then what? Like, when does the process of losing a baby actually end? What does that look like? Does it ever end? Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss.
0: kind of a long story i'll give the abbreviated version um in 2011 on my now husband's birthday i found out that i was pregnant um in the bathroom of my college dorm (laughs) and i am from texas and so because the south is backwards it is not still not okay to get pregnant out of wedlock we were already engaged but the wedding got moved up nine months um so i basically got through finals we got married in a hurry in the exact opposite of the kind of wedding that I wanted. Um, I wanted to get married, not in a church in then summer. I got married in January in my family's church and had the most white trash reception ever. I say that with love. I love my husband. He's very cute. Anyway. Um, so fast forward, um, you know, we get married, move into a tiny shitty apartment and, all is well up until uh, 19 weeks and we go to the gender sonogram and I am dead set that um, I'm having a boy. Like I am determined. I've had the world's worst morning sickness. Like to the point Zofran was no longer working. They put my butt on Phenagrin. Like I have never puked so much in my life. Like I'm a pro at that now. Involuntary bulimia. And
2: Congratulations?
0: Question mark? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. It was awful. Like, I, uh, no, just no. So much gross. But I, the reason the morning sickness comes up is, um, so I go in thinking I'm having blood work done. Turns out, no, no, I'm not. I, it's the gender sonogram. My first doctor with this pregnancy was awful. I switched shortly after this. Turns out I'm meeting with a geneticist and a specialist because the baby had a birth defect. Um, she had what was called an omphalocele hernia, which is for those of you without advanced medical degrees, not that I have one, but it feels like it <laughs> sometimes. Um, it's basically where instead of having like organs in an intestinal sac and then like muscles and then skin, she just had organs and like a little bubble of skin. And so um, I go in for the, they're like, oh, we're going to do the gender. Do you want to know? And I'm like, my husband's not here. Sucks for him. Um, and I'm like, it's <laughs> a boy, right? And they're like, yeah, your daughter. And I'm like, oops, sorry. I had been calling her Ryan this entire time. So promptly apologized to Michelle and I stopped throwing up. She was punishing me. Um, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay. So yeah, um, they're like, she's got this birth defect. You need to have an amnio. I still have like dots on my stomach from that. Thanks a lot guys. Um, they're like, go see all this slew of specialists. specialist. I legit thought I was going to have to have shirts made for team Michelle. Cause I had so many doctors. But all the results came back good. In the meantime, my mom is literally having a heart attack. So (laughs) um, mom's fine. Amnio results come back. Baby's fine. Life should be great. And then on May 7th, the baby stopped moving. And, you know, I did what they always tell you to do. If you don't feel movement for 24 hours, go into the doctor. I go in. They do a little Doppler thing, but I'm a chunky girl, so they, they never could find a heartbeat on Doppler. They take me into the sonogram room. I have had like 19 sonograms up to this point because of all the specialists. And the little bum, 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 bum is not on the screen. There's no blue and red. And I realized that there's no heartbeat. And I turned to the sonogram guy who I had had way too many appointments with at this point. And I was like, Joe, where's the heartbeat? And he's like, I'm really sorry. And then from what I've been told, because I kind of shocked out at that point. I screamed a lot and said, not my baby. And um, at that point, they told me I need to go to the hospital. Um, I had been a smoker up to finding out I was pregnant, and so I made my husband pull off at the nearest convenience store so I could grab a pack of impulse. because at that point, like I can't hurt her, and people do stupid things Fuck all on, this. Right. No, of course. All of this. <laughs> and I'm smoking a cigarette in the convenience store parking lot, Cause my life has just gone to fuckery and my father-in-law comes flying into the convenience store parking lot. Don't know how the hell he found out so fast. I assume my husband called him because my first call was to my granddad because he makes everything better. If anybody could fix this, it was my granddad. And I'm like holding the cigarette in my hand as my father-in-law wraps me in a hug. I vividly remember this moment and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to burn you. And he's like, I don't care. Cause he's the best. And we go to the hospital, and I walk in. Tears just, like, streaming down my face. They put me in a room, and they're like, we've got to start you on this pill. And the nurse comes in. Her name is Jess. I kept her. Um, and they start me on these stupid pills that apparently don't work. And so um, –
2: Like Pitocin, effectively.
0: Yeah, but it's, like, ineffective Pitocin. Yeah. And so, like, she even said, like, these usually don't work. We're going to have to give you injections in a few hours. So just, like, you're in for the long haul. And she's, like, having me fill out all the papers. And I'm, like, I give no fucks. Like, my life sucks right now. And she's, like, asking me all these questions. And my coping mechanism is sarcasm. And so she's, I'm giving, like, the most smart-ass answers.
2: I was just saying, like, my religion is sarcasm when (laughs) I get stressed out. So right there with you.
0: Yeah. And so she's, like, asking me all these things. I'm not even reading the papers. I'm just signing. Like, I give no fucks. And she's like, aren't you going to read these? And she told me this years later. I I don't remember saying it. And apparently I turned to her and said, what are you going to do? Take my firstborn? <laughs> because I'm a horrible person. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you.
2: Like, I would have said.
0: <laughs> like, we're, we're at brunch a couple years later, and she tells me this. And I'm like, oops. She's like, I did not know what to do with you. And I was like, well, you know, you delivered my kid. Anyway, so um, she gives me a shot of Demerol to Zonk me out for a while, which appreciate you. Shout out to Jess. Um, And people are coming in and out. I'm not allowed to eat, which is the worst. Like, to add insult to injury, now I'm hungry. I was in labor for 36 hours. And um, about 7 o'clock that night, my doctor comes blowing in. He didn't know I was there. Um, he had been on call at a different hospital. No one called him. Um, he found out that the ladies at the front desk of his office failed to notify my specialist who had called to remind me of my appointment the next day
3: awesome.
0: that I was no longer going to be going to. Um, so funeral, funeral arrangements ensued because I was in my third trimester. Um, and you know, they're asking me casket colors and all this other shit but i'm like i don't I don't know <laughs> like not like i mean I'm twenty let's see this is May of two thousand and twelve so I was twenty one at this point like I'm young, and I'm now having to make decisions of one where to bury my daughter and two wherever I bury her is where I have to go because you know it's my kid obviously I'm going next to her one day, so at the right old age of twenty one I'm having to make decisions way beyond my maturity level, and I'm essentially a newlywed. So way, way too much shit for a 21 year old, essentially kid to be dealing with. And so all this crap's going on. People are eating in my room in front of me. I can smell the Chick-fil-A and I'm like, I'm going to stab you all if you don't get away from me. Like, apparently at some point in time, the preacher came in and we had a conversation. Don't remember that. Um, we have two ministers at our church and the other one came in and he's like, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm annoyed with God, please get away from me. And he's like, well, let's pray about that. Dear Lord, Heather's annoyed with you. And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. So at least he keeps it real. Um, eventually, um, just the best nurse ever. She caved and let me have a snow cone that was mm-hmm. clear because all I was allowed was ice chips, mm-hmm. but she let me have a snow cone, which was the best thing ever and um told me i could have a margarita after michelle came and i never did get that margarita this was seven years ago still but waiting. Um, i'm still waiting so you know i need to text her and be like you owe me a margarita um but eventually around hour 34 i got a de- uh, epidural um to the women out there that can do any kind of labor without drugs you're a bigger bitch than I am cuz I can't do it. Um like um and then I had to make the decision on whether or not I was going to see her. And that one was rough. Um because like on one hand, like it's a dead baby. And dead bodies in general kind of ick me out. Like I don't like open casket funerals. It's it's icky and the fact that it's a baby like I mean she's my baby and I love her but also like she's gone and it's it is. Uh. Yeah. But um my great aunt had come in and she had worked in the NICU a long time and she told me that if I didn't I would always regret it. And then they asked me if I wanted pictures made.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. And again uh, uh, and I was like no don't take pictures of my kids that's that's weird. And no I don't want pictures made with her like that's creepy. All I could think about was those uh, post-mortem pictures they used to do back in the Victorian era. Right. And they're they're always creepy looking. I mean, and because so, they're dead. Like, yeah. sorry, but
2: not sorry. Like, that's why they're creepy.
0: Yeah, they're super creepy. And so um, I was like, thanks, but no thanks. And so I had Michelle and um, Jeff delivered her and i made the decision that yes we were going to see her i let any of the family that wanted to come back and see her because that was all the time we were going to get this was long before moses baskets were a thing so we knew we would only get a few minutes with her um i opted not to hold her because i knew if i did i'd never give her back um because like at this point i just wanted to crawl in the bin and go down to the morgue with her like it was awful
3: mm-hmm.
0: like like i i felt like a failure i mean and well, we you, didn't know your what body it was. broke my my body literally broke. Like, they didn't know what had caused it until they delivered my placenta, which nobody warned me about. You know, okay.
2: even with, like, you know, so Emily was, I had a, a very early loss before her, but, like, seven weeks kind mm-hmm. of thing. So Emily was my first live birth, um, mm-hmm. 35 weeks. And nobody warned me, you know, for a live birth. Like, PSA to the women out there who first of all if you're pregnant and listening to this stop like i really you know like i really hate when people tell pregnant women horror stories because you're stressed out enough so there's that but if if you insist on listening anyway you have to deliver the placenta after you l- deliver the baby and it's not easy no it's worse than childbirth like it's so much worse <laughs> yeah it's just i mean cuz you're already tired you're already yeah. strung out and it it I don't know how to describe it except that it it's not great. It hurts.
0: It hurts so much. Uh, and so when they delivered my placenta, it was in about a million pieces. It had shredded. And so thankfully, they didn't have to do an autopsy on her, which I don't know why that like freaked me out so much like we agreed to do the autopsy because we needed to know what happened. But Once we found out it was my placenta, I was like, go shred those documents right now. And again, just the wonder nurse. um, She did. So she was not cut open. Again, so much morbidity. Um, And it brought her in and she was one pound, 11 ounces and 11 inches long and cute as hell. Like my nose or daddy's eyes, teeny tiny. Perfect little fingers and toes and just cute as a button. And, you know, it's sad and everyone's in the room and bawling their eyes out. Jess is bawling like everybody's freaking crying and it's the saddest shit ever. And the caveat to this is in the next room over, um, there was a woman who was so strung out on drugs, she could not have an epidural. And so I'm in there, a perfectly healthy 21-year-old who all I wanted in this world was my baby to be okay. And the next one over has CPS waiting outside the room to take the kid. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not better. And <laughs> apparently um, a nurse who may or may not have been the same nurse I had, you know, for safety's sake, so she doesn't get sued, might have accidentally on purpose slammed her bed into the wall when they were wheeling her back in <laughs> because she was pissed too. <laughs> like, like, add insult to injury. I have to hear this baby's born drug addicted baby screaming yeah and i'm like this is fucking fantastic so they we see michelle they take her um my cousin or my husband's cousin handles all the funeral arrangements um which was a whole other fucking nightmare they take me to postpartum they can't keep me separated away from the other moms like they had in labor and delivery postpartum was a fucking nightmare like they sent the birth certificate lady into my room um, spoiler alert, when you have a stillbirth, you don't get a birth certificate, you get a fetal death certificate. There's no Epgar score or whatever it's called. Like, right. there is no birth certificate. Um, so that was traumatizing. And they gave me Ambien. And I have, I don't remember the name for it because it's like 18 syllables long in like Greek or Latin or some shit, but I have this weird genetic malformity that causes me to have an adverse reaction to Ambien. I had to relive the whole thing in Technicolor.
2: I Ambien mean, does that. Like it, it often creates really, really vivid dreams, sort of.
0: Oh, fun. Didn't know that. Learned a thing. Yeah, it was awful. So I basically lived the whole thing twice. And um, during all of this, my best friend who's in the Marine Corps, he was at in the ROTC program down at Austin. And he had driven up, like he's in the middle of finals, and he drove up because he's awesome. And he drove up and he's like, What do you need for me? And I was like, I need the nursery gone. Cause like I was in the middle of setting it up. Like her stuff was in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need, I need it gone. When I get home, I was like, Get it rid of everything but her Clifford. And Clifford, the big red dog, big fan of him as a kid. Anyway, there's a trigger <laughs> these days. But, um, so he, all the stuff that I had bought at thrift stores and repainted, he, I had him throw it away and so I, you know, get released from the hospital the next day. And again, PSA to any future pregnant moms who might still be listening, why are you doing this to yourself? Stop. Um, they have to come in and, like, massage your uterus. Yeah. And again, no one warned me about that. That shit hurts. Yeah. They And, like, I hadn't had a chance to take any birthing classes. Like, I'm barely into my third trimester.
2: Yeah, I was, was going to say, this is happened. what, like, 24 weeks something like that
0: yep right around where i was you're good at this um and so all this like painful shit emotional pain on top of that like there is not enough advil in the world to make this okay no and so we get ready for her funeral my one rule is no one's allowed to wear black my aunt jan shows up at the funeral i don't talk to my aunt jan god rest her soul She has since passed away. And so I have no filter at this point because like my life sucks and I'm standing in front of my, my minister from college who like, that's where my husband and I met was at this church program. And, um, I'm like standing next to him, the funeral director who has known me literally my entire life is like, who are the parents? And I'm like, you know, me, what is happening? Um, and up pulls my aunt Jan and her shiny black Buick. And I'm like, what the fuck is she doing here? right in front of the minister (laughs) and like it's just fuckery all around like my mom's college graduation had been that morning because my mom's a badass and went to college later in life and graduated with her bachelor's in business go mom and so like that's tainted by all this my sister is like doing her best to help me but doesn't know how and like my stepsister who is a whole other basket full of crazy like tried to become me basket full of crazy is there for some unknown reason. My Aunt Jan shows up. I don't know why. And meanwhile, like, I am extra redneck, like, grew up way in the boonies. And my cousin, who I shit you not, is named Brenda Sue. She's awesome. Takes her dually dodge and drives through the culvert to park in front of the cemetery. And we get up to, (laughs) yeah, I'm not joking. And so we get up to, uh, like, do the graveside service. and. Um, the casket lid is askew. Oh, no. And I'm, like, just sitting there going, why is the lid askew? Because I am, like, hyper-focused on this. And I'm, like, trying not to pass out. And I have never in my life fainted. Like, I'm not that kind of Southern girl. I'm the kind of Southern girl that gets shit done. And I'm, like, my husband is literally having to hold me upright. And, like, all I can see is this casket that is not sealed properly. and. We like do the balloon release. Somebody was nice enough to give me a Xanax that may or may not have been prescribed to me. Um, and I slept for like a week straight. And then I have like a very large memory gap that's about seven months long. And then I adopted a dog and things got better ish as, as good as it gets when you have to bury your kid. But that is, that is the story of Michelle.
2: And I mean, things are so different. Yeah, like it,
0: it's funny, you know. It's funny,
2: <laughs> fucking hilarious. But it is—it's yeah. funny from state to state. Like, so in two thousand three, I was pregnant for mm-hmm. the second what we believed was viable pregnancy. So I had a, a miscarriage in, in nineteen ninety eight, and it is really, honestly, just as well. Maybe ninety. Wait, doing the math wrong. I guess it was ninety seven because I was nineteen at the time. And, um, that for many reasons, just as well, like I was, I just wasn't ready for the, for Mm. the biggest, baddest reason. But also I had just recently had a very severe kidney infection and Mm. spent a week and a half in the hospital. And they were very clear with me about like, if you go forward with this pregnancy, you're going to end up needing a shunt and you're going to be on bed rest and other terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things. And, so when, you know, I was still sort of in this, like, I don't know if I want to have an abortion or not, like, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. And they they did a Doppler and, you know, and, and then an internal ultrasound, which cool. when they, that just, just be clear that when we say internal ultrasound, we mean like a dildo, but less fun.
0: And oh my God, those are the worst. Again, things
2: no one warned you about. I'm saying, like, nobody even gives me a drink first. You know, like... <laughs> that. You feel like, look, you know, at the very least, introduce yourself to me, to the ultrasound yeah. tech. Like, but better yet, like, buy me a margarita first. Like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. So... A water burger. Th- there's that, you know. And and they did that. And there was no heartbreak. And there was... For that one, tremendous relief because, you know, I'm 19 and I'm not ready and I still hadn't decided and, you know, what is the right thing to do here? Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, three years later, I'm still with Willem, you know, for for both of these, for, for all of these, I guess. And I got pregnant and it was a surprise three years later, but it was not a mistake and, you know, anybody who wants to call Emily a mistake, like fight me, you know, that the, the she's amazing. And, and also just, I was surprised, like we got engaged and then I got pregnant about two weeks later. <laughs> so yeah, surprise, but it was on. like, we talked about it. We talked about wanting to start having kids young, um, you know, and meanwhile, like you talk about redneck, like I'm from upstate New York where, I have family looking at me going, when are you going to have a baby? And I'm like, I'm 22, (laughs) you know, but I mean, the assumption in my family was that the reason that I went to college was to find a husband. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I did kind of pisses me off, (laughs) you know, a little bit. Um, But so Emily was fine. Her pregnancy was uneventful and it was fine. She just arrived early. Like apparently I cook them fast. And so she was born at 35 weeks. And other than that, it was uneventful. And then I got pregnant in 2003 and was going fine. Like, again, everything was fine. It seemed fine. It seemed a run of the mill. You know, I like, I don't get morning sick. I don't get like, the my, my, my two early symptoms are that I gag when I brush my teeth and I get like, when I say tired, fails to express mm. what I experience. Like, I could lie down on the floor of a moving public bus <laughs> and take a nap, you know, like I just, just fucking exhausted. And so, like, I, and so I had those, and, um, I was working like two hours from home. Um, so I would go and, You know, do the commute down there, and then I stayed at friend's house that where they lived nearby, um, overnight, and then come back, uh, Mm -hmm. so that I wasn't constantly driving back and forth in the middle of the winter. Blah blah blah, and so I remember, like in this case, it was before even even winter. It was just sort of getting the 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 routine down. And this is early October of two thousand three. I was at the time, 20 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I got in a car accident and it was totally the other person's fault, like 100% their fault that I was at a T intersection with a light and the light changed so that it was my turn to go. And I was at like the short end of the T, not the top, you know, like the vertical part of the T, not the horizontal part. And the, the car in front of me had time to go and get all the way through the intersection. And then I went and I looked to my left and there's a, there's a 16-wheeler barreling down at me who just oh never God. saw the light, never slowed down. And they were carrying a load of telephone poles. And I had enough time to slam on the gas. So they caught the rear quarter panel of my car. Um, but my car was actually still drivable. And I wasn't visibly, physically harmed. Mm -hmm. And so I actually went into work. I went the rest of the way into the work because this is, you know, 2003. I didn't have a cell phone. So Mm -hmm. I went the rest of the way into work to call my, you know, call Willem, call my doctor and whatever. Let them know at work. Like, I'm going home. Like, this is, here's what the rest of my day is going to look like. It's going to look like a big fucking no is what it's going to look like. And I went in to see my doctor the next day and there was no heartbeat. So this is right at the 20-week mark, so in the middle of the second trimester. And I was like, well, we'll wait. We'll wait for labor to start naturally. And I was giving birth at one of the, at the time anyway, one of the top, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, baby <laughs> hospitals, <laughs> maternity units in the in the country. So like they were one of the first to do like rooming in instead of changing rooms from where you give birth to postnatal and things like that. And, um, and so they, they, I had, a, they, they gave me the option of we can do a procedure right now or we can wait. And I managed to wait two weeks.
0: Oh, and, you're a boss.
2: And at the end of that two weeks, I was like, all right, so, um, I don't want to get technical, but fuck everything. <laughs> You know, sideways, we're done. We're done with this. I can't, I can't continue having people ask me how the pregnancy is going because your second pregnancy, you look like six months pregnant before the, the pregnancy test has dried.
0: Accurate.
2: You know, and, and so everybody's asking me, how's the pregnancy going? And, you know, then you're left with this choice of like, do I ruin their day? Right. And I mostly don't want to ruin their day. Like there were some days where I would be like, Yeah, no, uh, here's the bad news and watch their face fall. But the most part, like I just didn't want and so finally after two weeks I was like I'm done. I'm 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 done. I can't I can't do this anymore. Um, but then I had the option of did I wanna terminate awake or asleep? Did I want to see the baby or not? Um, they had like, um, it's like a, 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 a mourning M O U R morning garden. Mm. -hmm. Um, so it's not like a burial. Exactly.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, I, I could decide whether or not I wanted an autopsy. I could decide whether or not I ever found out the gender or whether I ever found out what went wrong or like all, like all of that stuff was up to me. And, I decided I can't handle any of this. I was 26 at the time. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't. I don't want an autopsy. I don't want to know the gender. I'm not going to assign a name. Like both of the names. Because we didn't find out the gender for any of them until they were born. Um, and so I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what the gender was. Both names are, are off the table. We will never use either of those names. Mm-hmm. And um. Just knock me out. Let me, you know, wake me up when it's over. So, like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. There's no way I could have done it awake. That's just badass. It's, it is badass and and horrible and awful because, like, let's be clear, giving birth sucks. Yeah, it it does. It just does. And giving birth when you know that you are not about to give birth to a live baby, like, I couldn't do it.
0: It wasn't fun. Not at all. No. <laughs> like, I mean, even when I went in to have my son, who I like the follow up to, like, when you have had a loss of any kind, I mean, miscarriage, stillbirth, whatever, is any subsequent pregnancy after that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And, like, I have, I don't know what it is, but, like, I somehow managed to collect a lot of angel mamas. And so. And they all decided to be pregnant at the same time this year. And they're all due within six weeks of each other. I haven't breathed in eight months. So <laughs> but like when I went in to have my son, um, first of all, that was a ridiculous pregnancy, like because of course, because my life is a freaking sitcom somewhere, I um the the fall after I had Michelle, um, I had my annual exam and it came back abnormal. And surprise, either you have cervical cancer at the ripe age of 22. So I had to have part of my cervix removed, which made any subsequent pregnancy a pain in the ass. And so with my son, like, first of all, I've already got a shitty reproductive system. Now I'm missing part of it. And so it was like, I mean, weekly appointments from 14 weeks out and I have so many sonograms of that kid, like I knew what he was gonna look like before he ever got here. Right. I'm a pro at reading sonograms. Like, pretty sure if you gave me the wand I could figure it out. Not to not to belittle any radiologist out there. Like you guys you guys do a hard job. <laughs> I'm gonna no, be the one that has to deliver that news.
2: They totally <laughs> but, do, but at the same time, like uh, you,
0: know. <laughs> like, you I can apply a, this myself. Yeah, like give me the goo, give me the wand, I'll figure it out. And like I've had so many internal sonograms, like, and I had this one tech with my son that could not find the proper opening to save her life. I don't know if she skipped that, like, unit in radiology school or what, but the number of times I had to be like, wrong hole, you need a 90. Oh, my God. Like, (laughs) I'm not into that kind of stuff. Stop it. Well. Move it forward buy me a drink. Yeah. Listen, for that kind of stuff, she needs to buy me a steak dinner. <laughs> like, it was bad. And so, um, with Sammy, I started to efface at like 22 weeks or some such nonsense. Like, right. I mean, even, it may have been 20 weeks. I mean, it was stupid early. I went on bed rest for the entire third trimester. I've never been so bored in my life. like, But I did it because come hell or high water, I was getting that kid. And um, sorry, I got real Southern there for a second.
2: And I was going to say any one of the three, right? Yeah. Come hell or high water. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And so I crocheted a lot. I didn't know how to crochet before I was pregnant. I'm I'm
2: 12. (laughs) No, I get it. I was on bed rest for Jacob. Yeah, who I got the pregnant worst. with right after the lost, the loss, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's it's no joke. And you know, and the number of people who are like, oh, I would love to be on bed rest. I would love to not have to work. And I would be like,
0: okay, like I will throw something at those people
2: seriously.
0: If I was allowed to lift my arm that high,
2: it's awful.
0: Oh my god, I have never watched so much Netflix in my life, and it was one of my mean, favorite shows. But I was sick of them. I just wanted to
2: well, go and, do something. And I mean, I'm old, I'm enough older than you that, that we're talking, you know, television and VCR. There's no Netflix. Yeah. And there was no Wi-Fi. Oh, the horror. Right? And so we had uh, we had cable modem. And I had a laptop. So there was this wire that, that I would have to string around the house. And I was allowed to be up and out of bed five minutes an hour. You got that much? And so I had, I got to choose do I want to go pee or do I want to move from bed to couch? And by the way, Emily was four. <laughs> right. So, I mean, uh, we had to, we taught her how to operate the VCR on the microwave. And I was just like, please don't, please don't get those backwards, you know? <laughs> but it was just, it was a mess because like Jacob was conceived a about six weeks after, mm. I had the procedure, which is earlier than you're supposed to. And I... Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. No doubt And And um, it, it was fine. His early, early, early pregnancy... Like, I knew that I, I was pregnant pretty quick. Like I said, I would gag when I would brush my teeth. And then I started to bleed with Jacob. And basically... It's because there was, there was a, um, like, scarring, sort of, where the placenta was trying to attach. And so it wasn't quite attaching right. And the placenta is all blood vessels and gunk and stuff. And so it kept letting go. That's not good. And, and so I made it to 11 weeks, and I had a, I had a doctor's appointment that morning. And I was in grad school at the time, and um, and again, everybody knew I was pregnant. And now nobody wants to ask me about it because they know I've had one loss, and so they're Mm -hmm. they're nervous about asking again. And I didn't even tell them about the earlier loss than that. So it's just like, you know, and I would look at these people like, look, as stressed out as you are, trust me that I am more stressed out. Like you just you so, I think every pregnancy has a degree of constant existential dread. You know, mm-hmm. just worrying that, you know, you're going to eat a hot dog and somehow kill the baby or whatever. Like, yeah. But once you have had a loss, especially a second or third trimester loss, it's like every, every day is terror. It is, con- it oh. is a, you know, it is a constant roller coaster ride without a seatbelt. And mm-hmm. so with, with Jacob, they started seeing me at eight weeks, which is early in a pregnancy and they were seeing me weekly and I went in I was supposed to have morning classes but I went in just for a check just uh, this is a 11 weeks and they were just going to look for the heartbeat that's all it was and I went to that appointment and they weren't able to find a heartbeat but they were like look it's 11 weeks it's early you know come back next week I was like all right and so I went to class and that's fine and then I was going to go to lunch with my friend and he drove us downtown um, and he had a Saturn. So it sat real low to the ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And this was in February in New Hampshire. So it's cold out, whatever. So I'm wearing a coat, whatever. And I got out of his car and i it's like an internal pop. Like you hear it. Mm-hmm. And I started bleeding and I oh. I destroyed an entire outfit, like from winter coat to my shoes. And um, so I go home and, and I don't, it's not about, I don't have a problem talking about the details that happened over the next couple of hours so much as even I have limits, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was bad. Like, like that's adequately descriptive is it was bad for the next couple of hours. And I went back into the, doctor's office once Willem was able to get out of work and I still swear that they they were just using the Doppler which is so an ultrasound is a visual thing Mm -hmm. as well as auditory and you know it's it has to be done by an ultrasound tech and often internal which is the dildo thing again which is I don't like it um (laughs) That's not my fetish. Like that's just not the one. Uh, for <laughs> me. And a Doppler is like an external, it's just auditory. And it's just to hear the heartbeat. And, and it, listen, it sounds like a little washing machine. And um, I still swear that they took the Doppler out and you could catch the heartbeat across the room. Like for reasons unclear, they were not able to find it that morning, but they were able to find it that afternoon, like strong and loud. And so they were like, congratulations, you haven't lost the baby yet, but you only have a 10% chance of carrying this child to term. Go home and have bed rest. you
0: want to bed rest from 11 weeks on?
2: From 11 to 16 weeks. And then I was allowed to go on, like, limited activity
0: mm-hmm.
2: from 16 to, like, 24. And then I started – so – that pregnancy, man, that kid, it's a good thing that, that's a, that Jacob's a good kid, you know, because fuck everything about that pregnancy. Like, so the first trimester, I have that scare. And then second trimester, I was exposed to fifth disease. Um, I don't know what
0: that
2: is. It's like hand, foot and mouth disease. Oh. It, it's, it's one of those stupid, non-fatal, non-dangerous illnesses for adults that like everybody has at some point. Um, but if you haven't had it and you get it for the first time ever when you're pregnant, it can be dangerous to the fetus. And I didn't know if I'd ever had it before. And once you've been exposed, they can't do a test for it because they can't tell you whether you have antibodies antibodies for it because you had it as a kid or because you were just exposed to it just now and you have it right now. So that was the second trimester. It was That was that was stressful i didn't like it and then third trimester i developed signs of preeclampsia which yeah, is i wonder why right which is yeah it's it's super high blood pressure and chronic headache and i swelled up like a balloon and um, was generally unhappy and so they put me back on bed rest the third trimester so i was delighted When Jacob came a month early, because I was like, I have had enough of this shit. And then he was a Frank breach. So he was a C-section. So I was just like, (laughs) everything, like all of this is just a fucking joke. Like it was a lot. And, um, and he's fine. He's been fine, but you just, you never, I don't know. I get, or I never anyway, I think most women are not ever able to be pregnant and just sort of glow or not glow uh, flow along. Madonna-like and glow and be happy and and serene.
0: Yeah. Whoever, like, came up with that whole concept of pregnancy is beautiful and natural and wonderful and, you know, you'll never feel better is a damn liar. (laughs) Like, being pregnant kind of blows. And being pregnant post-loss blows extra. I mean, I liked it in many ways. Oh, no, I hate being pregnant. But...
2: I only liked it in the odd moment here and there when the baby was moving and I was confident like everything was okay. But I, I rented a Doppler to have at home for Jacob's pregnancy and then for Isaac's. And Isaac's pregnancy was un uneventful. Like I was fine for all of Isaac's pregnancy. Um but after so Jacob I mean,
0: Isaac is the he's nine really? so
2: so i had a i had a loss when i was 19 then i had emily at 22 then i had a loss at 26 and i had jacob at 27 then i had a loss at about 31 and then i had isaac at 32 and when i had isaac everything went wrong but only at the birth
0: yeah, that's when you got exposed to whatever and like almost died and stuff,
2: right? Yeah, that was that was super exciting, but um, but that you know f- for Isaac's pregnancy itself, it was fine. Like there were no complications. Like the only <laughs> Jesus Christ, I had forgotten this. The only noteworthy part of the pregnancy with Isaac is I remember laughing until I thought I was going to throw up in the <laughs> waiting room. Of the uh, prenatal clinic, whatever it's called, Mm -hmm. because I was listening to a woman and her mother talk about how the woman thought it was pregnant and she thought that she had a yeast infection. And her mother was lecturing her about, well, you (laughs) can, god damn it, (laughs) that you can, (laughs) fuck, you can fix that. By applying yogurt to um. yourself, but the but the the mother was very clear about how it was super important that she could choose um. <laughs> God damn it, you could choose almost any kind of yogurt, but but not blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> so strawberry's fine. I mean, and I just remember sitting there, like you know, I try to live and let live. You know, and if you're going to make bad health decisions, like, you're going to make them anyway. But so I decided not to intervene, but just sitting there in the waiting room dying because I I couldn't stop picturing somebody, like, holding up two cartons of yogurt at the store to decide whether they should go with strawberry
0: or peach. But not blueberry. See, all I can think is, like, you know, those Greek yogurt flip things where you put, like, the (laughs) toppings in. Right. Like, baby's going to numb down on some hazelnut crunch. (laughs)
2: Oh, no.
0: While mom hears her yeast infection. (laughs) Like, I can't. Oh, my God. Uh, Does she not understand how yogurt's made? Well, and
2: I mean, let's stop and think about how does mom know? Right?
0: At what point did she go, wow, I don't have any monostat. I should probably just check, check the fridge. Well... That's but how
2: crunchy. How does mom decide blueberry is the bad idea? I don't know. Like, this to me sounds Trial like a personal Yeah, this is what I'm saying like a personal experiment. <laughs> it's gone wrong.
3: Maybe uh, this God. is
2: why mom has frequent yeast infections. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, but that's oh the, the thing is that even though Isaac's pregnancy was entirely unremarkable, I didn't relax the whole time. You know, and it never occurred to us that the danger was with me Mm
0: -hmm.
2: throughout, you know, like the whole time we were stressed out because there's this, this concern of like, look, I've lost pregnancies before. Something could go wrong with this one in terms of the baby could either be lost or broken in some way. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, it never even occurred to us that like I could be the one in danger.
0: Yeah, I think once you have kids, like as soon as you pee on that stick, like thoughts of yourself. Being harmed kind of go out the window, which is like such a cliche thing to say, but I would 100% jump in front of a bus if I met my kid was all right. Yeah. So and it's weird because like I'm a pretty selfish human being as a general rule. Like I love me, I'm great.
3: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> and but when it comes to my kid, like I will, I will do damn near anything to ensure his safety and happiness. Sort of like, no, I'd probably kill someone. So scratch that. Um. <laughs> Like, there's not much I wouldn't do for my tiny human, but, you know, as soon as you pee on that stick, those mama bear instincts just kind of take over. And it's, it's the same thing though with Michelle, because I'll be damned if I let people forget her. For the, for a long time, it was, you know, a lot of people wouldn't acknowledge her. And I don't know if it was so much like it made them uncomfortable or if they were afraid of making me uncomfortable, but either way, like, I'm going to talk about her. And if it bugs y'all, sorry, not sorry. Um, I'm like, um, so it finally, like it came to a head because everybody just ignored she existed. And eventually my husband kind of blew up and was like, we're not coming to Christmas because it's uncomfortable and we're not doing it. And it's hard and we're missing our daughter. And we have to watch all these kids that are the same age as her because, you know, everyone always gets pregnant in groups. Never yeah, it's like one or two. They all
2: go to the same party.
0: Yeah, like everyone's boning at the same time. I don't know, like, I don't know what was happening on November 11th. Yes, I know the day that my daughter was conceived. It just happened to be our dating anniversary. Um, it's such a cliche. In my dorm room, no less. Um, <laughs> it doesn't take much. You know, hot and ready pizza and a bottle of Pepsi. I'm easy. But, um <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> But, you know, I have a niece. My niece is the same age that Michelle would be. And what kills me is my husband and sister are both adopted. And my niece and my son look like they should be siblings. Like, I get mistaken for my niece's mother on the regular. And, I mean, she's gorgeous, my niece is. I mean, she is absolutely beautiful. And I love that kid like she was my own. Like, But for the longest time, it was hard to be around her. Because she's the same age my daughter should be. And, I mean, she was born in January. Michelle was born in May. And, you know, here and, and <laughs> my sister-in-law, God love her. My niece's middle name is Michelle. Oh, edge. Yeah. And, like, I told my sister-in-law that Michelle was our girl name, and she stole it. It's not her first name, but for a long time, she would call my niece by her full name. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I finally had to go to my mother-in-law and be like, you gotta, you've gotta put a stop to this. I'm like, I'm gonna punch her in the face. Like, I can't take this. This is, it's cool. And cause I mean, you know, I'm a couple of weeks out from loss and every time I turn around, it's Ariana Michelle and I'm like, make her stop cause I'm gonna kill her. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it stabbed me in the gut. It would, it would hurt less. And so now, like, Anna is like the light of my life. I love that kid. But for a long time, it was hard. And, you know, there's all these kids that are the same age. And, you know, they just basically ignore that my daughter ever existed. And finally, like, my husband had to put his foot down. He's like, we're not coming to Christmas, okay? Like, this is, this is dumb. And you ignore that she existed. It's hard. He's like, we're hurting. And so the family finally, like, stepped up. And we're like, you know, we will we'll honor her. They light a candle every year for her. And they have a little angel figurine that sits next to it. And it's sweet. And then they it's like little things like you said in past episodes, like the suckery people say. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And so like we have a big family, like you'd think we were Catholic. Um, No offense to any Catholics out there, but anyway, there are at last count and we've got one due in the next couple of weeks, but at last count, 35 just at Christmas. And it's spanned over four generations, right? Yeah, four. And so for a long time, I was the only one that had a loss. And so, and I wouldn't shut up about it. Like, no, i are not going to sleep my kid under the rug. Like you can stick that where the sun don't shine. And one of the other cousins was pregnant and her mom made some sort of comment about how her baby was going to make number 32 Or no, it was going to be number 29. And I was like, "Mm, no, 30? And she's like, no, it's 29. And I said, 30? I have two kids. Oh, I wasn't counting her. Now, I have red hair. (laughs) And all the stereotypes are true. We do get pissed.
2: And you have no soul.
0: I I do not have a soul. That is true. There you go. Okay. (laughs) At least according to my husband. I was livid. And I had to, like, pull it back because I was about to go ballistic. And I'm sitting in my mother-in-law's living room. And I was like, Marcia, who I adore. Don't get me wrong. She's sweet and she gives great Christmas presents. The woman's got killer fashion sense. But like I'm sitting there and I'm looking at her and she literally had just told me my kid does not count. Yeah. And I'm like, there's 30 and I just shut up. And in my head, I'm like, does one of your kids stop counting if they die?
2: Right. How long do they have to survive? How many breaths do they have to take in right. order for them to count?
0: Yeah. Like, how, how long does the date span have to be on the headstone? Yep. So she, she existed. She has a headstone. She's buried in my family's cemetery right behind my grandparents. She exists. You were at her funeral, remember? Like, come on now. And then, unfortunately, we had another stillbirth in the family. And this is one of the cousins that's sweet and she's one of the more quiet ones. You know, she's got like a PhD and she's wonderful. Like nobody says anything bad about this cousin. She's the nicest person. And she and I have never been particularly close just because like I got an MRS degree and she got a PhD. Um, and for any of the listeners that are looking at their radios right now going, what's an MRS degree? Mrs. I met my college and, has, and my husband in college and then dropped out. Don't judge me. <laughs> and um, mostly because I was in the middle of my teaching degree when we lost Michelle and I was not doing it. Just no. And, um, you know, we found out that the cousin had lost her baby, also a girl, basically the same story all over again. And. Everyone's turning to me going, Heather, what do we do? And I'm like, the exact opposite of everything you did with me. Just flip it. Yeah. And they have been so much more supportive. Like, and I am, I, first of all, I do not believe in predestiny, And I don't think there's ever a good reason for a baby to die. I don't care what the situation was. Not a good reason. I don't give a shit. All that God's plan stuff. No. Um, but the timing of it had the cousin lost her baby first, they would have just kind of let it go by the wayside. But because I refused to shut up about things, at least they learned that so they were able to support her. So, you know, some good came of it, even if it was the shittiest way for it to find out. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, I think and I, and I think that's tremendously important for each each mom, each woman to decide. You know, and like for me uh, you know I had two miscarriages before 10 weeks and those I don't consider those as having had children
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know so early in the the developmental process it was arguably not ever human-ish humanoid whatever fetal and, and so like it's shitty like no fooling around but It didn't feel like I was a mother, you know, and I don't know how I would feel like I can't put myself in the headspace to know, like, because I don't feel after I had that second trimester loss, because, you know, I never found out gender. There were two names. It was either going to be Stephen David or Jessica something. We hadn't really decided on a middle name yet, but. I think because we hadn't landed on a name and a gender and a story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like after that one, I had a second child, but that's but you know, but in that case, I already had Emily. and so like, I was so busy already having Emily and then I got pregnant six weeks later. So I never had time like I it took me years to be able to process. It took me years to be able to. Wrap my head around it, you know, and, and and just think of myself as like, oh, shit, right, that counted.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, even though this child never took a breath outside the womb, even though in my case I was unconscious for the birth, question mm-hmm. mark, process, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that I look at other women and I say, yeah, yours counts if you want it to count. And if you don't want it to count, it doesn't count. And so, like, there was a woman whose name I won't use because I don't have her, her permission to do so. But when I was pregnant with Jacob, you know, I'm on bed rest. And I have just had, like, just had had this second trimester loss. And so I'm really struggling with a lot. And so I joined. This is back in the days of iVillage. So, it was all, it was, that was a website geared toward women and it had a lot of articles and a lot of blogs and stuff and it had these message boards. So, Mm -hmm. so kids, you know, if you're still listening, comparable to Facebook groups, um, (laughs) for, you know, based on due in a certain time. And so I, I joined two, I joined one that was Actually, I technically joined three. I joined one that was, was for due in August of 2004. And then as the pregnancy progressed, I switched to the July one. Because I was just kind of pretty sure that I was going to end up giving birth early. And I did. So Jacob was born on July 29th. So that was the correct month that way. And then I also joined one that was it's called Pregnancy After a Loss.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And some of the women that I met then are still some of my closest friends because we checked in every single day and we got through this together. And I don't know, like, I just don't know if I would have thought of myself as a mother after the first loss, you know, after this, after the second trimester loss, if I didn't already have Emily. You know, so it's just it's just a perspective thing, and, and at the end of the day, I feel like it's really up to the mother because there was one woman in the in the July group who had a full term stillbirth oh. that the the um, obstetrician made an error that resulted oh. in fetal death after like hope two she or she three enjoys
0: days. enjoys owning that hospital. What's that? I said. I hope she enjoys owning that hospital.
2: Right. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know what she ended up, I don't remember what she ended up doing in terms of whether there was a, a lawsuit or whatever, because you're so, you're so blown away and dealing with so many other things that I just don't know how she coped. But, but I remember writing to her, you know, whatever it was, nine or 10 months later, you know, because we're still sort of in touch mm. after that, although she had left the message board because duh.
0: <laughs> right. The last thing you want to see you is know, pictures of new babies
2: Exactly, but but I remember getting in touch with her in May of the next year And saying to her, you know, you get to celebrate Mother's Day if you want to Like, you don't have to It's okay mm-hmm. if you don't, it's okay if you if, if you're like, fuck all that, I'm done But if you want to celebrate Mother's Day If you want to think of yourself as a mother the loss is not the important thing. What matters is, is how you think of yourself. And so if, if it feels right to do something for mother's day, like that's, that can be your first child. And she has since gone on to have a second child. And, you know, and we've talked before about like, she doesn't talk about how she has present tense has two children, but she talks about how she had two children. And I feel like all of that, what matters is, is, is what, what you feel like tells your story and what what encapsulates your story. And so you speak about it in present tense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You have two children and that's totally appropriate. Like I, I, I dare anybody to take that away from you.
0: I mean, they can try, but remember I'm from Texas. So, you know, like we said before we started recording, we're all armed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm saying like. Thoughts and prayers, right?
0: Yeah, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> They'll need them. Um, so, yeah, it's and it's like that kind of across the lost community as a whole. Like, And a lot of moms, I mean, I know I struggled with am I a mom or not? And because I lost Michelle the week before Mother's Day. The Sunday after she died was Mother's Day. And... I mean, even to this day, I hate celebrating it. It's just that, like, uncomfortable reminder of it sucks. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a living child now. And, you know, I, w- I do it because I know he's going to give me some really cute, like, little handmade thing. And I'm all for macaroni art. Um, mm-hmm. But it's rough. I mean, for the for the longest time before Sammy came along, I would do what I called the an Angel Mamas brunch. And so I would get together with my Angel Mamas and we'd drink Prosecco and... Um, you know, basically ditch about how we were mad that we were, we were at this brunch, but, um, you know, cause nothing says fuck our lives like day drinking on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, it helped. It was just like a way to get through the day. Um, I will say nothing chapped my ass more than like the first, like, cause Sammy and Michelle's birthdays are two days apart, uh, cause the universe is stupid. and. So it's like Michelle's birthday, Sammy's birthday, Mother's Day. They're all in the same week. Always. In fact, Michelle's birthday will fall on Mother's Day in a few years. And because I'm a freak and check the calendar. Um, and what was my point? I had one, I swear. I mean, it's just, it's, it is
2: hard. It is, It is one of those things that people don't talk about. Yeah. And having, initially, it was a matter of having a support group around me. For getting through subsequent pregnancies. And I also know that there were support groups for mothers who had experienced a loss, whether or not they had living children. Um, But it's, I mean, it's, it's fuckery on a cosmic scale. And, and I think at the end of the day, what, what matters is that you define your role. And Mm -hmm. I, I just, like I said, I dare somebody to challenge you on that.
0: For sure. It wouldn't go well. But, oh, that was the thing I was going to say, challenging me. Um, so my very first year that I had Sam, like, I have like a three-day-old baby. I'm not even sure I was out of the hospital yet. Um, someone told me, someone who had been with me through my loss, um, told me, Happy First Mother's Day. Like, use that exact verbiage. I was heated, to say the least. I was like, really? Really? You you talked me off the ledge a few times, lady. I was like, what is wrong with you? People are fucked. They're just fucked.
2: No, people suck. They just do. They
0: but I think do. that, it,
2: it, it, you know, as tough as this whole conversation is, and, and there, there are people who could not listen and should have turned it off right away. Like I, I, I yeah. fully yeah. support self-protection in that sense. But yeah. the I, I mean, whether or not a woman is planning on having children, mm-hmm. I don't think we're given enough information and education about pregnancy about what the process is like and like just just as simple as like with emily not seeing a doctor until i was like 11 or 12 weeks along that Mm -hmm. felt like the weirdest fucking thing and it turns out that's totally normal like that that most practices don't want to see you until you're 11 or 12 weeks along unless there's some reason Otherwise, and the number of symptoms that you have, just the fact that with your first baby, you keep this nice, tight, flat stomach or as flat as it's ever been, whatever. Yeah, But, but your breasts grow like four or five sizes. And so you look like the prow of a ship. Like nobody warned <laughs> me. And I remember going, going to Target when I was pregnant with Emily, first trimester still, and i had outgrown the bras that i had but not by much you know a size they were just uncomfortable everything's uncomfortable don't even look at my boobs when i'm pregnant like jesus christ yeah. like they just, just and so i went to i went to target and i was like oh i might as well buy nursing bras so that i can use them for that weird breastfeeding thing which itself is its own fucking nightmare uh, so yeah yeah but um i'm standing in the the maternity slash breastfeeding section of target. This is in winter of 99, 2000 somewhere. And there's a lot of choices and a lot of sizes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I had gone up a size by that point. Do I get an extra, whatever. And there's a woman, (laughs) there's a woman with a, a toddler in a cart. And she's shopping and and it's clear that she is shopping for herself. And, you know, so I sort of flag her down a little bit and I indicate the child in the cart and I'm like, is that yours? (laughs) Yep. Yep, it is. And I'm like, okay, cool. So tell me, like, do I buy just one bra right now or do I buy like seven? Like, what should I expect here? And she's like, well, I would wait. I would buy just one right now and wait because with that one, and she indicates the, ch- <laughs> the child in the cart Just with that one. I went from a C cup to a G. Mm, been there. And I had to go home and lie down on the floor. <laughs> I was like, I had never, I'd never thought about that particular aspect. Mm -hmm. of pregnancy and i mean i was lucky that i only went up three sizes like i went from like uh, maybe two it depends i was like an optimistic c cup when i got pregnant with emily you know like really a b cup but i would buy c anyway because you know that felt like a better a better option in some way? Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, got the it, shelf in it. It counts.
2: You know? And I went up to a, a double D. And luckily stopped there. <laughs> but I remember just thinking like a G-cup. Holy fuck. I can't do this. And I remember walking in the door and telling Willem. And he's like, cool, double thumbs up. Let's do this. And I was like, no. You don't get to touch them. You don't even get to look at them. No, everything about this is terrible. You don't understand. It gets windy here in the winter.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it, with it's Michelle, stuff like that. Uh, with Michelle, my milk came in, and oh, I'm already. Fuck that. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. So when you have a stillbirth and you're far enough along, your boobs are like, "Oh, we had a baby. We have to do the thing and feed the baby," except the baby's not there. And the doctors will tell you not to express because then it'll just come back more. My boobs went to a double E um, and the cousin that handled all the arrangements, who is like the real MVP. Um, first of all, she got me wine drunk and fed me taco soup, like real MVP. She had had a double mastectomy due to breast cancer. And so she had gotten reconstructive surgery and side note, she has a t-shirt that says, of course they're fake. The real ones tried to kill me. Like mm-hmm. love this chick. <laughs> I love her. And. um, She gave me her surgical bras since they, like, apply pressure and stuff to help with the swelling post-boob job. And it was for a double E because that's where she was post-swelling. And, like, she got, like, double Ds or something implanted. I don't know. She has great boobs. That's all I know. Um, And so she's also the only other redhead in the family. We're kindred spirits. And so here I am wearing, like, surgical bras. My boobs are hard as a rock. Like, I am in so much pain, and I get mastitis because, like, I can't express. My boobs are mad. And finally, my mama, Daisy, who is one of, like, I used to sell Mary Kay back in the day because, like, I'm in the South. It's required. And you have to do some sort of direct marketing for makeup during your college years. There's a rule. Anyway, she messaged me, and she's like, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what my granny told me when I had it. She's like, go get in a really hot shower and express just enough to take the pressure off. Well, another thing they don't tell you is that you have two milk ducts. There's one on the top and one on the side. And, you know, in the event any pregnant women are still listening to this, what's wrong with you? And so mine always comes in from the side. Did it with both kids. I can't get it. I cannot get any to come out. It's too swollen. My husband has a degree in animal science. <laughs> Do you see where this uh, is going? I do. So he came in the bathroom and my husband's not a small man. He's six foot four and three hundred and seventy pounds and built like a damn brick wall. His hands are the size of a damn football. And he takes his thumb, runs it up the side of my boob, and milks me like a goddamn goat. <laughs> I mean, it's spraying everywhere in the shower. Like and the shower is already hot. Like it's as hot as I can stand it. I am screaming. I'm pretty sure my neighbors thought I was getting murdered. Like, I have never (laughs) felt that kind of pain. But the pressure release was so much better. Like, and then she told me to take Campo Phenique, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist north of the Mason-Dixon line. And then take an old sheet, rip it up, and, like, bind myself. Mm -hmm. And it took care of it in about two days. But the fact that my husband had to milk me (laughs) was obscene. And then so, like, second kid comes along. I'm like, I got this. I'm going to be able to breastfeed. Like, it's going to be great. I'm going to save so much money on formula. No. Just no, Kate. Like, first of all, my kid couldn't latch to save his life. Uh, nobody warned me that breast pumps suck. And the first breast pump I had was, like, my sister-in-law's old one. And so it sucked but not well. <clears throat> And, like, I've heard that phrase, never cry over spilled milk. That does not apply at 3 a.m. when you have pumped for, like, 45 minutes straight and gotten, like, two ounces of milk. And I knocked it over. I hadn't slept in three days. I just spilled breast milk all over my bed. And my kid had reflux because he had something called pyloric stenosis because apparently my body is incapable of making human stomachs. And so he had really bad reflux. After about six weeks, I gave up. The kid got formula. Like. I'm not doing it. Breastfeeding is awful. Like my nipples have never hurt so bad in my entire life. Like it was the worst. And like, kudos to those women that can do it for multiple years. Uh, mm -mm. I mean, I managed like with
2: Emily, it was fine. No big, cool, cool. Easy enough. Not a problem. And she tried to self wean in about a year. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had already, by that point, had tickets to take her. So my husband's family is Dutch, hence the weird last name. And we were we were going over to the Netherlands to, the, to, the Netherlands to let his grandmother meet Emily. Mm-hmm. And that was at thirteen months. And so I was like, "Well, not weaning yet because." I had done enough reading to be like, she's not going to cope all that well on the plane with the pressure. And maybe it'll help with the jet lag a little bit if she can nurse. So or that's w- what's up. That? I said, or she'll puke in an Uber. Well, that's later. Um, <laughs> but this is what kept her alive at mm-hmm. 13 months was the fact that we still breastfed because she cried for three days straight. 24 hours a day cried like babies don't understand jet lag and she just was miserable and if I wasn't still breastfeeding like the only time she stopped crying was when she was latched on and so everything about that sucked and I hated it and but on on the third day I looked at Willem and I was like I'm going home like I am literally walking home today I have had (laughs) enough I cannot do this anymore and that was the day that it seemed to click in Emily's head like oh okay jet lag got it noted cool and um that's like i said that's what kept her out of the atlantic because man that sucked and but so you know other than that even with that i guess breastfeeding was easy with emily no problem cool cool so i had jacob and i was like not a problem you know i just breastfed a kid for 14 months not that long ago i know how to do this and then jacob wouldn't latch on. And when he would, I would bleed. We both would cry. Mm -hmm. It was not fun. And ultimately I was able to make it work so that I was able to breastfeed him for about a year and a half. So that was fine. But it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. It was, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of pain and it was a lot of like, what the fuck? I had this figured out the first time around. Why is this hard? Well, it's, because different kids are different and i don't know why that was such a profound thing for me but like somehow i felt like subsequent kids were going to be the same
0: yeah no that's not how that works I, well,
2: in my head it was like i don't understand you know I, I was so i was kind of shocked that it was difficult and then with isaac of course i was in the hospital for the first six weeks of his life and and i was on some crazy medications such that even when i went home i couldn't breastfeed so, you know, when, by the time I went home, I had already, you know, my milk had my, my milk came in and went away while I was still in the coma after his birth. Um, so I never had the option.
0: Yeah. Isaac. I mean, at least you didn't have to, like, you were knocked out, or I guess knocked out is the right word. You were yeah. not conscious for the part where your boobs were hurting. So there's that.
2: Well, and, like, post-Isaac, like, I had significantly... More painful, other issues, you know. Thirteen surgeries in the span of ten days, like
0: yeah, you know, priorities.
2: In yeah, it was just not you know, perspective wise, (laughs) not that big a deal. But I I just there's all of these things that nobody warns women about, and nobody warns women that like we don't have any idea how many pregnancies end in miscarriage because a lot of them we think it's just normal menstrual cycle like we'll we'll be like oh it's harder than you know it's heavier than usual or it hurts more than usual and on we go with our lives and we don't even think about it and and I don't remember the statistics I used to know because when I was in the active baby having phase of my life it was a big Mm -hmm. deal it was very personal you know having three live births and three miscarriages meant I carried a lot of statistics around in my head but Mm -hmm. I want to say I want to say 20% of, of known pregnancies 25. result. Is it that might, yeah, one a, four. Two, a lot. Um, the end in end in loss. And I don't think anybody warned Like I'm certain nobody warned me, but I don't think anybody talks about it enough. I don't think anybody no. warns anybody about how like, look, a, you know, so a one in four chance that's, that's pretty fucking common.
0: Yeah. No one tells no. you until you're sitting in that chair being told there's no heartbeat. And even
2: then, you know, even then they may not let you know that this is common. Like, it's not, oh, it's not, you're not freakish, you're not broken, there's not something wrong with your body. It's just a case that it, it doesn't work. Yeah, you just threw the short straw. And, and I think that people need to talk about that shit more often. Yeah. Couldn't agree more.
0: Cause it's like, I know, like I said earlier, like I seem to collect lost moms. And so I have several of them. In fact, like, so I have six friends that are my like little core friend group. I called them my family before in the asylum. And of this total of seven of us, including me, four of us are lost moms. And of all of us that have children, only one of us is not one. So like when it comes time to do like Christmas and stuff, there's a lot of lit candles. Now we will be switching to led candles because like fire, not allowed in my house anymore. Um, But, you know, and we all know each other's kids names, no matter how early the loss was. And, you know, when it comes to talking about it, I mean, like, you know, when those brain weasels start being little fuckeries and, you know, it get, starts getting to you. We know we can go to each other. But a lot of the times, like, our family, like, you know, well, my family's supportive now. But, you know, like, one of the moms, she's finally having her miracle kid. She's due, like, any time now. But she's had two losses. And her family just straight up doesn't acknowledge it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They just pretend it never happened. Like, mm, no, didn't happen. I don't know what you're and, talking And, like,
2: about. if that's yeah. what feels right to the mother, if that's what feels right to the woman... To say, like, no, I never was a mother. Like, that's...
0: Oh, no. Okay. She acknowledges it. It's her parents that don't. Right. And that's
2: what I'm saying, though, is that that it's, it's, to me, analogous, in a way, to Mm -hmm. people who announce their pronouns, Mm -hmm. right? That I, personally, I don't care what your pronouns are. Like, if we're just going to have a conversation, it doesn't matter to me. Because you have a story and you have a personality which is bigger than a pronoun, yeah. right? And so I don't automatically ask because it is not crucial to me that I know what your pronoun is if you don't share it. Because, mm-hmm. you, do you know what I mean? Like there's still just yeah. the connection is what it is. But if it is important to you, if it is important enough that you tell me about it, now it's 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 up to me to the best of my ability to remember what that is because now you've yeah. demonstrated that it is important to you. And so therefore it should be important to me unless I'm being a dick. And likewise with pregnancy status that if you, I mean, if you've had a dozen miscarriages, but you know, you don't ever really fully bond with them or you don't fully attach or you don't choose to share or whatever the case that you don't uh, you don't self-identify as mm-hmm. having become a mother. Okay. Like that's I don't judge that. I also don't judge women who have a have a miscarriage at six weeks before it's really medically detectable. But for whatever reason it was detected medically for them and they identify therefore as a mother. Okay. Like it, it I don't understand the people who feel from the outside, like it's up to them to dictate who and what you are and, and who and what your family status is.
0: Same. <laughs> Me neither.
2: Oh man, kids are they're, their work luck. <laughs> it's just a lot. It's so super complicated. It is like they they complicate everything. Oh and they complicate everything. They complicate yeah, be, things. Yeah, before exactly. And uh 'Cause like I know I know for me that after the, the 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 loss that I had at nineteen, I was did not consider myself a mother. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and in fact uh considered it a a, a tremendous relief, frankly, that mm-hmm. I went in and they found no heartbeat because I was so seriously considering an abortion and would have done so without shame. Like I feel like that would have been my right to decide because I'm not just a, a vessel in that sense. Um, But I was so conflicted and I was so ambivalent about what to do that. I really never reached a point of sort of self-identifying, identifying one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But for sure, after both the second term, the second trimester loss that I had Uh, After Emily, you know, between Emily and Jacob and even after, you know, between Jacob and Isaac, I I had a miscarriage that was at like seven or eight weeks. It was like super early on in the process. I'd never even seen a doctor yet. That was a legitimate loss to me that in many ways, like I felt I didn't, I don't count it as having had a a baby, but Mm -hmm. I was fully prepared to be its mother.
0: So. I mean, I was not in any way prepared to be a mother with Michelle, but she was still my kid.
2: (laughs) Well, the difference between prepared to be a mother and prepared to be this person's mother. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm still, like, Emily's 19, and I'm still not entirely prepared to be a mother. Like, (laughs) there's that. But, so, like, I, 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 I told the story before, I'm pretty sure on the show even, about how... With Danielle, there was all this fuckery with her biological mother, and we kicked her out of the house and asked her give us a couple weeks, like don't come visit right away. Let 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 Danny settle into the routine without you around. Blah blah. And about two weeks later, I met her for lunch mm-hmm. um, at a Panera, and Danielle has always had this, you know, part of her um, her own fuckery. Uh, is this? Ability to sit still, for and well, it's creepy though. It's like think more like China Doll sitting still. Oh, that's weird. Like it's uncan. So, so like I like in uh, fall of twenty seventeen, I I drove all four kids out to upstate New York uh, to to visit my mother and to go to Niagara Falls and shit like that. And the longest stretch of driving that I did without a break was about five hours. Um, it's about a seven-hour drive total to where my mother lives, but but we did like a five-hour stretch and stopped to use the bathroom, and you know, because I don't like everybody to show up and be all frantic mm-hmm. when we get there. And so we stopped like five hours, and so for that five-hour stretch. The other kids are messing with music or reading books or playing games or staring out the window, like whatever they're, they're making messes and whatever they're being kids. And Danielle sat there in the car seat and she sat in the middle of the back seat. Like my car only holds five. And so I had, it was me and all four kids. So we were snuggly and (laughs) she sat in in the center of the back seat. So I saw her in the rear view mirror the whole time. And for five hours straight, she sat there and stared straight ahead. Like it's very children of the corn. Like it's creepy. A little creepy, yeah. It's a lot. So this is this is spring of 2015, and I'm leaving to go. I guess it was actually evening dinner. I was leaving to go meet with the biological mother for the first time after we had kicked her out, and um, she, when I left the house, Danielle was sitting on the couch in her vacant way we call it the stone face and she was just sitting there staring at nothing just stone faced and um you know and i remember i remember having this feeling of like this is a pain in the ass like i don't want this kid in my house i don't need one more child to be responsible for i'm tired i am overwhelmed i have had enough of this bullshit like you know, all of the things that you feel like, like if somebody drops their kid off at your house for the weekend and you're like, could you, you know, it's Sunday night and you're like, just any minute now, just show up and take this kid. I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the attitude I had, although she had been in my house for four months by this point, almost five. And so I was just like, fuck's sake, like I am tired of babysitting somebody else's kid, especially somebody else's fucked up kid. And I went and met with her biological mother. And that's when she told me you know, I'm never going to get better. You keep her. And drove home, you know, the 10 minutes home from Panera and had this like, holy shit, like semi shock the whole way. Of Like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you decide that you would rather do sex work and, you know, get fired from a series of jobs and just slough off your kid onto somebody else? You know, I don't care how much self-doubt you have. How, how do you decide I don't want to be a mother anymore? You know, and, and so I just kind of processing that through the drive home. And I get home and I walk in the door and Danielle's still in the same place as when I left her. So she had just sat there for an hour. Um, and I remember looking at her and affection is always going to be weird with Danielle. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel what I would consider normal affection for her. Mm-hmm. It's hard mm-hmm. to She doesn't attach to us in normal ways um, She doesn't have stranger anxiety She doesn't have separation anxiety She would get just as much Comfort Hugging a stranger as hugging one of us You know So there's just a lot of weird there And Willem seems okay with it Um, And I am not
0: mm-hmm.
2: You know I think Willem is easier I think daddies are easier to they're They're more drawn in by cute, whereas I'm like, this kid's fucked up, that's mm-hmm. not great but so so I don't have that sense of warm, glowy affection for her, but still, I walked in the house and she's still sitting there in the same position, staring at nothing, and I remember looking at her and thinking like, I would jump in front of a train for you mm-hmm. you know, like so that that mama bear instinct was literally not there an hour previously. And, yeah. you know, and so there's there's something to that, to to the thinking of yourself as a mother. And so, like, was I her mother prior to that? Like, apparently, you know, I, I can't say at what point in the process. Like, she started calling me mom like a week or two in to when they both lived with us, which actually bothered me a lot at the time. Just... Not so much people calling me mom like a couple of Emily's friends do too. And so I just feel like they need somebody to be mom and I can do that. Mm-hmm. But more the idea if I think about any of my kids calling somebody else mom. That bothers me because I feel like oh, that word is same. right. That word is sacred. And Yeah. I, if I can, have rules. Oh, sorry. No, you know what I mean? Like
0: No, I know exactly what you mean. I have rules for my husband, like if anything ever happens to me. Like he's not, he's not allowed to start dating for two years. He is not allowed to date any of my friends ever. And Sammy is never allowed to call any other woman mom ever.
2: Like there are other words you can use, you know, there are other forms of affection or respect or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, but yeah, no, the the word mom should be sacred. And for a while, like it bothered me even when Emily's friends would call me mom. And then it, it took me a while realize like they just need somebody to be mom
0: and so mom friend so yeah
2: yeah. so like okay I can I can cope with that but any of my kids calling somebody else like so I remember having that feeling of like this doesn't feel right this Mm -hmm. this this kid should have a harder time adjusting like you know before I even knew the full extent of her issues just feeling like something is not right here Yeah. You know, but um, so like, I I can't say at what point in the process she started to look to me to be a, a a legitimate mother figure, but I know that for me it was literally the span of an hour.
0: You had that Tarzan moment where it's like I'm your mother now.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, I didn't choose this, but it is what it is, and mm-hmm. I dare somebody to try to mess with me now.
3: I was trying to write something eloquent about what I took away from this episode, and I couldn't come up with the words. So I reached out to Heather and asked what she wanted you, the listener, to take away from her story. And she said, what I hope people take away is that she mattered and she was real, even if she never took a breath outside of me. And that it's 100% not okay to say shitty things to families and that are going through infant loss because this sucks. And I could not have said it better myself. And I'll tack on this statement. Hug your kid. Tell them that you love them, even if they're being a pain in the ass. Didn't you feel better before you knew that? I'm always trying to understand the world a little bit better than I did yesterday. And what I love about this podcast is that that actually happens. And I feel like I'm able to navigate the world a little bit better with each episode. And this episode was no exception. So thank you for your honesty, Heather. I promise you this one is going to stick with me for a long time. And thank you, Kate, for suggesting this topic for me and and letting me talk on your podcast. I really appreciate it. If you want to hear me talk about something much more lighthearted, I am the host of a podcast called Varmints, where my co-host Donna and I talk about animals from the perspective of two nerds who don't know a whole lot about animals. It's a lot of fun. And I have a little side project called Checking In With Chomo where I tell stories about how I have a hard time being a functional adult, and I give advice, and I troll scammers, and eventually, or occasionally, I read The Boating Forecast. And it's weird, and it's fun, and it's a good outlet for me. Thanks everybody for listening, and stay sane.
2: Hey everybody, this is
0: Danielle
1: And this is Daniel
0: And I'm Carla And we are Hoosier Homicide A true crime podcast by Hoosiers, for Hoosiers, or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is Whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know what a Hoosier is Do you?
3: Yes, as a matter of fact, I do
0: Great, we don't need to look anything up
3: (laughs) Go to Wikipedia and type in
1: Alabama Hot Pocket
2: No, don't do that
1: And that'll tell you what a Hoosier is.
2: Just come listen to
1: us. You'll find out. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Hoosier Homicide. You can also download any episode you prefer off of Stitcher, Podbean,
0: iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We tell true crime stories with some random connection to our home state of Indiana. So come listen.
1: That's what she said. For the love of God.
0: (laughs) And for honest to goodness, stay Stay out out of of the the corn. corn. Pretty good.